All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett. We're going to be continuing our message this morning on knowing the Holy Spirit. And we're actually in week nine this week uh, on, on talking about knowing the Holy Spirit. All of our messages up to this point have been archived on our, our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. You can also uh, donate and, with your tithes and offerings and support our ministry, as many of you have, uh, on lighthousediscipleship.org. Now, I'm looking, we're looking forward to our Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock on Effortless Change by Andrew Womack, as well as our Bible study, our new Bible study, will be starting this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock on The Believer's Authority, also by Andrew Womack. So anyway, those are our, kind of our announcements for this week, and uh, without further ado, we're just going to go ahead and, and jump into our message this morning, as we've been talking about knowing the Holy Spirit. And so, with that in mind, I want to go to our key verse this morning uh, to, to kick this off again, and that's from Second uh, Corinthians chapter uh, 13, verse 14. It's the very last verse of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. And Second uh, Corinthians uh, thirteen fourteen, and Paul says this: the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He's talking about all three members of the Godhead. And then I've been reading for the last few weeks from the Message translation on this verse: the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Be with you all. Okay? We talk a lot about this church about knowing Jesus. We talk a lot about this church about knowing the Father. And in this particular series, we're talking about knowing the Holy Spirit. I believe we need to know all members of the Godhead. We talk a lot about this, the, uh, the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we talk a lot about the extravagant love of our Father. And in this particular series, I'm highlighting the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. All three of them be with you all forever. Amen. Okay? So we've been talking about knowing the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about a lot of different things. And we're in week nine of talking about knowing the Holy Spirit. And we're not quite done yet. I have a few more things to share with you. Uh, so we'll probably go at least a couple more weeks. But... Uh, Today and last week I started talking about tongues and that's kind of the elephant in the room when we're talking about knowing the Holy Spirit and in in talking about knowing the Holy Spirit I can't skip talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I can't skip talking about tongues. I can't skip talking about the gifts of the Spirit which I'll talk in, in, in future weeks. But uh, when we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, tongues is part of it. In the early church, we've already discovered that in almost every single case, that when they received Jesus, they were baptized into the body of Christ, they were water baptized, and then they were also baptized with the Holy Spirit. All three of them happened. They were the, uh, different events, different baptisms by different baptizers. Uh, but all three of them happened. There's two cases where, where we, when we don't necessarily see the evidence of speaking in tongues as, as, as it's, it's not spelled out clearly. But I already dealt with those the last couple of weeks about how I believe 
uh, the, the the evidence to speak in tongues was evident. You know, and even in those who 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 uh, like Paul was one of them, where it's not specifically it doesn't specifically say when he was converted and ministered to by Ananias after his conversion that he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't specifically say that he spoke in tongues. However, Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthians in First Corinthians fourteen, says, "I speak in tongues more than you all." So whether it happened then or it happened uh, several days, weeks, or months later, it happened. And so, uh, anyway, I'm not going to recap all that. You can look at our archives. You can get all those messages later. But uh, I'm going to continue on the subject of tongues. And so we're going to be spending most of our time this, this morning in 1 Corinthians 14. So you can already begin turning to 1 Corinthians 14. And we're going to be going almost verse by verse. Uh, in this, at least the first part of it. But uh, like last week, I'm going to start with the end first. And I want to recap a couple things that we already discovered here in 1 Corinthians 14. So go with me to 1 Corinthians 14. And go ahead and into the end of the chapter. And then we're going to go back to the beginning of the chapter. We're going to look at the last two verses of 1 Corinthians 14 one more time. And then we're going to go back to the beginning. And then we're going to kind of do a verse by verse study. In this talking about tongues, and I understand this is the elephant in the room. A lot of people don't understand this. A lot of people don't even agree with it. Some people are even ha- are fearful of it. I want to talk about what is tongues, what is its purpose, do I have to speak in tongues, and can I be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues? I'm not going to necessarily address you in a systematic order, but I'm going to be addressing these four questions uh, throughout the, the message this morning. And I understand many people are uncomfortable. I understand people are uncomfortable talking about tithing, but we talk about tithing. I understand people talk about, don't like talking about demons, and we don't, we don't magnify demons, but, but Jesus told us to go cast them out. And so in one respect, we will be talking about that. Uh, some people are just uncomfortable with the supernatural period. I understand that. We live in the natural world. But we are born again. Being born again is supernatural. And so, uh, you know, Paul says we know no man after the flesh. And so, there's a lot of things we're uncomfortable about. And I understand that. I'm not trying to purposely make you uncomfortable. But I think some things that we're not uncomfortable about because we don't understand them. And at some point in time, we need to address the things that we're uncomfortable about. Uh, Jesus talked about tongues. Paul talked about tongues. And if Jesus talked about tongues and Paul talked about tongues, I think we should talk about tongues. And you know, I'd never want to magnify the gifts, tongues, over Jesus the cross. At the same point in time, Jesus talked about it. Jesus said there are certain things that will follow those who believe, and one of those things that will follow those who believe is tongues. And so, uh, if I'm a believer, then there's some things that should follow those who believe. <laughs> And I believe all of you are believers, and I believe if we're going to heed and hearken to the voice of Jesus, our Lord, our Master, then we need to spend some time talking about tongues and, and whatnot. Some people think it's not for the day. And go, but at the same point in time, God goes in great lengths. Paul spent a whole chapter talking about tongues. And so I think we it, it, it behooves us to talk about it. So with everything, I always want to go to Scripture. Not just my philosophy, not just my opinion. We all have an opinion, we all, and we're all entitled to opinion. But one speaker told me one time, opinion is kind of like a nose. We all have one, and sometimes they have a couple no- holes in them. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, and so anyway, take it or leave it, uh, there you have it. So here we are, First Corinthians 14, 
I want to end with the, <clears throat> I want to start with the end and then go back to the beginning. Okay? Paul concludes this chapter <clears throat> by saying, therefore, we're going to go back in a minute and look at what's therefore. <laughs> okay? But we're going to look at this conclusion. He says, therefore, brethren. You know, anytime you see Paul or any of them say brethren, he's talking to the church. He's talking to the body of Christ. How many of you know we are born again? We all have the same father. Okay? Brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently in order. Paul is encouraged us to earnestly desire. In other places, he does tell us to desire spiritual gifts. Okay? But he says, earnest, of all the gifts, earnestly desire to prophesy. Why? We're going to talk about that. Okay? And, but he also says, don't forbid, even though we, you, we should, if we're going to, if we're going to get tons of prophecy, Paul's saying, go with prophecy. Okay? At the same point in time, he says, don't forbid anyone to speak in tongues. Well, you and I do not have the right to, to forbid other people to speak in tongues. At the same point in time, he concludes it by saying, let everything be done decently in an order. If you speak another language, I can't forbid you to speak another language. But there might be a wrong and right place of how to do that. Where in some circumstances it could be rude. For instance, and I keep using this illustration, if there's a group of people in the room and you and a couple of people know to speak another language and you want to have a private conversation in front of us speaking another language, I, I think it's okay to have a private conversation with somebody else. And I think it's okay for you to speak in your native language, whether it be Spanish, Chinese, or whatever it might be. But when you do that in front of other people, and you're purposely excluding other people, in some circumstances, that can be actually rude. I understand sometimes in a, in a legal or a professional manner, sometimes that, that's just the only way you can communicate with that person. I understand that. That's, that's different. But sometimes, I, it's just my opinion. Again, my opinion might have a couple holes in it. At the same point in time, it's my opinion. My opinion sometimes when people do that purposely in front of other people, to purposely exclude someone else from a conversation. And everyone, and they both speak the same language. I think, I think that's rude. If you're going to have a private conversation, go in the other room. Excuse yourself. Go have a private conversation. But to purposely exclude everyone in a conversation, to me, that's rude. That's not the purpose of my message. But it just, I think there's a right and wrong way to do. Sometimes we can do the right. How many know we can do the right things the wrong way? Sometimes. And this goes about other things. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go to chapter 1, I mean verse 1. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Now, let me just say this, too. I always have to, I always love having the context. Paul has spent three chapters. He's talking to a church that's just messed up. And I, I, I listed some things last week. I'm not going to do it today uh, about some things that are going on in this church. A lot of it has to do with division and, and different things. and There's some immorality going on, whatnot. He spent a whole chapter in chapter 12 talking about the gifts, the spiritual gifts. And then he spent a whole chapter in chapter 14 talking about tongues and prophecy. Okay? He, he, he does spend, talk about some other things in the, towards the end of the chapter before the verses that we just got to a minute ago. But he spends almost the whole chapter talking about tongues and the prophecy. That's the chapters 12 and 14. In the middle, he spends a whole chapter talking about love. And we're going we're gonna to spend some time next week talking about this love. 
I think if Paul spends a whole chapter right in the middle of talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about the gifts, talking about tongues and prophecy, spends a whole chapter talking about love, I think it's worth talking about ourselves. And he brings it in context. Paul puts it right in the middle of the context of talking about the gifts and talking about tongues and prophecy. He spends a whole chapter talking about love. You know, and I think we, it behooves us to talk about love. Uh, it says, I think it's Romans 5, 1, that his, the, the love of God has been shed abroad on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit has a lot to do with love. And we can speak in tongues, we can speak in prophecy, but if we don't do it in love, according to Paul, it's, no, it's, not, it's worth nothing. And we're going to talk about that more next week. But he starts in chapter 14. After, how many of you know chapter 14 follows chapter 13? 13 is the love chapter. 14, he, he kicks it off. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. But especially that you may prophecy, prophesy. Pursue love. You know, and I, I dealt with this last week, but I want to deal with it again and kick it off today because this is really the context of what we're talking about. Desire spiritual gifts. He does say that. We can desire spiritual gifts. I can desire to, to, to work in miracles. I can desire to work in faith. I can desire to have a word of knowledge and the word of wisdom and many of the other gifts that he talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. We can desire spiritual gifts and we should. But pursue love. Pursue love. We are not pursuing gifts. We are not pursuing tongues. We are not pursuing prophecy. We are desiring tongues, we are desiring gifts, we are desiring to, uh, prophecy, but we're pursuing love. And God is love. So we're pursuing God. <laughs> okay? This is love, not that you love me, but I love you, and became the propitiation for your sins. First John 4.10 We're to pursue God. And how many know faith works by love? Okay? We are to pursue love. We are desire spiritual things, but we are to pursue love. Many, but many, many religious people, even though they mean well, have pursued the gifts and desire love. That's backwards. We're supposed to pursue love. Desire spiritual gifts. I, I pursue my wife. There's other things I like. There's other things I desire. I like some food. I like food. I like a good steak, potato. Chocolate. I desire those things. I'm not pursuing those things. I'm pursuing my wife. I like to play golf. There's some things I like to do. But I'm not pursuing those things. I desire those things. And there's nothing wrong with desiring some good things. You know, uh, sometimes for us it's hard to enjoy our day off because we feel like we're supposed to be doing something. Yesterday we're supposed to be doing something. Six days a week. There's one day we're supposed to rest. And relax. Smell the roses. You know? If you don't smell the roses once in a while, you are gonna, you're gonna burn the candle on both ends. You're not gonna be able to work any day of the week. So, anyway, that's a whole other message. I'm trying to emphasize pursuing versus desire. There's some days we pursue. And there's some things we desire. Okay? Um, but he says, even though we, we are, we're to pursue love, where to desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. The, the greatest gift is love. He, already, he ended chapter 13 talking about the greatest is love. Kind number two is prophecy. 
And number three is that they all kind of are runner-ups for better gifts. Okay? Verse two. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. There's two things I want to cover here, and I'm going to actually come back to some of this a little bit later. He says, tongues is speaking to God. Tons is, you're, when you are born again, and we deal with this when we talk about spirit, soul, and body. We have some teachings on our website from Andrew Womack on that. We also have a, a Bible study from uh, Lawson Purdue on spirit, soul, and body. But we're spirit, soul, and body. We have a spirit. We live in a, I'm sorry, we, we have a, we are a spirit. We have a soul, and we live in our body. Okay? But when we become born again, it's our spirit that becomes born again. And our spirit that's born again. And when we speak in tongues, our spirit is speaking to God. What is it speaking to God? It's speaking to God mysteries. It's speaking to God. These tongues are speaking mysteries. In, 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 in Acts chapter 2, we hear what the, these mysteries are. They're called the wonderful works of God. I'm going to come back and spend a little more time on this. Uh, I don't want to get sidetracked yet here. I'm going to come back and spend a little more time on this. But tongues is speaking to God. There is a tongue called the gift of tongues where God is speaking to people. And that's where we need an interpretation. But at the same point in time, I'm going to, come, I'm going to spend a little more time on both of these points. The first one is tongues is speaking to God. And the second point here is that tongues is speaking to mysteries. I'm going to deal with both of these just a little bit, and a little bit later, okay? I want to, I want to, I want to get, I want to, I want to give an overview of, uh, these verses about the verse 19, 20 verses of, of, of 1 Corinthians 14. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to highlight eight different things, okay? Hopefully this is making sense. Verse 3, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to man. I like that. Why? You know, he, he throughout this, this letter, throughout this chapter, he's already emphasized twice that we are to desire prophecy over, over uh, tongues. Why? Because, first of all, tongues is speaking to God. There's a, there's, how many know there's a time we should speak to God? If we're in relationship with God, there should be a time where we have a conversation with Him. And it's okay for our spirit to have a conversation with God. We don't understand that because our spirit is supernatural. Okay? But there's also, it says here in verse 3, that prophecies speak edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Our tongues is speaking to God. But prophecy is speaking edification, exhortation, and comfort to people, to men, to women. Okay? Men mean mankind. How many of you know it's a good thing to, when we are in a public corporate group gathering, that's not necessarily a time for me to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with God. There's a, I have six days out of the week I can speak to God. I even have seven. Okay? Because I'm not with you all day long. But, uh, uh, but, but, but at the same point in time, you know, I have six days I can speak with God, but I have one day, sometimes multiple days in a week, and usually it's just an hour or two, <coughs> where I'm in a group setting. You know, I can speak to my wife seven days a week, but when we have a group, it's time for me to not just speak to my wife, but to speak to all of you. Okay? 
We're going to have time when we go home. If we're at a party or an event, we're going to have time before we came to, let's just say we had a, a, a church building. Before church and after church, I can talk to my wife all day long. But while I'm with you, I need to include you. Okay? It would be rude if all I did was talk to my wife when we had a group gathering when I have all week to talk to her. And I, I'm just trying to get some some some, some practicalness in some of this. Prophecy speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to one another. Where tongues are speaking to God. Mysteries. You know, sometimes I don't mind a good mystery movie if it's clean. And that's not the kind of mysteries we're talking about. But at the same point in time, when I'm talking with you, I don't want everything to be, my whole conversation with you to be mystical. I want there to be some edification, some comfort, some encouragement. Okay? Tons of speaking. Let me just simplify these two things. We're talking about tons of prophecy. Tons of speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in an unknown tone to God, where prophecy is speaking by the same inspiration of the Holy Spirit in a non tone tongue tongue to people, to men. Prophecy is speaking to people. Tongues is speaking to God. Tongues is speaking in an unknown tongue, a spiritual language, a supernatural language, where prophecy is speaking in your native tongue to one another. Okay? Let's de- that's why Paul's saying, let's desire, especially, let's desire all the gifts, forbid no one to speak in tongues. I shouldn't forbid you to speak to God. I shouldn't forbid you to speak in in an unknown tone to God. I have no right to forbid you to speak to God, to to not speak to God. But I I do want to exhort you as a pastor, as an encourager, as a minister, to edify, exhort, and comfort one another with prophecy. Okay? This desire to prophesy so we can edify one another. We can exhort and comfort one another. Prophecy. But let me just say say this. Prophecy is not hurting people. Prophecy is edifying, exhorting, and comforting people. Verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I'm going to come back and spend... There's another area where I'm going to come back and spend a little more time on. Because some people, some churches have a problem with tongues because it edifies themselves. And they conclude, if it edifies yourself, it's selfish. Well, I'm going to come back and deal with that. We need to deal with that one, okay? But prophecy edifies the church. I mean, if you have a conversation with God, you're going to be edified. You You cannot leave God's presence and not be edified. At the same point in time, prophecy is not is speaking to people. So it's going to be edifying the church. Okay, I'm not going to be edified with tongues if you're having a one-on-one conversation with God in front of me and I have no clue what just happened. There's not going to be any edification for me. I might be edified in the sense, man, look, they're, they're speaking to God. You know, I can, I can be edified in that, indirectly that way, but prophecy edifies the church. Verse 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Paul is, is encouraged people to especially to prophesy more and speak in tongues. But he says, I wish you all speak with tongues. Paul is bringing some correction about tongues to this, this, this 
church in Corinthians, but in no way, shape, or form is he encouraging them not to speak in tongues. He's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. He's just changing the bathwater. If, if I can put it in that way, okay? I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Unless, indeed, he interprets that the church may receive edification. It's okay to speak in tongues in the public speaking, speaking if you can interpret. If, if I go to a Spanish church, it's okay if I speak in English, but it, it's better if someone interprets so everyone can be edified. Am I making sense? Sometimes we just need to get our religious theology out of the way and read it for what it is. It just makes sense if I'm speaking in a different language and you understand that someone can interpret so you can understand. You're not going to benefit if you don't understand. And I've been to churches where I don't know what they're speaking. We've been at churches where, we, where they're speaking another language. And I have to sit there looking polite, but I have no clue what, what's just been said. It didn't edify me. Now, in my, my spirit being edified, because I kind of know my spirit was going on. You know, I can bear witness with it. But, uh, you know, I didn't go home. I mean, that was a good message. You know, I don't even know what they said. You know? And, 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 and Anyway, I'm, I'm just trying to make some points here. I hope you understand. Um, where are we at? Verse 5? Okay. Um, so, again, he says, Prophecy is greater than tongues unless he interprets that the church may be edified. Are you seeing an operative word here? People are being edified. There's a, part, there's a place for you to be edified, but there's also a place that we all can be edified. Okay? Verse 6. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? I think that verse is almost self-explanatory. But it says, What shall I profit you unless I speak to you by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying or teaching? Unless I can uh, give you some revelation, some knowledge, some teaching, how is it profiting you if I speak in tongues? If I, you know, some of you listen every week on these uh, live streams. If I spoke the whole time in tongues, what does that profit you? You didn't listen to me. You didn't tune in so you can listen to me speaking in a, a language you don't understand. You tuned in to, to hopefully get some revelation, some teaching, some knowledge, some a prophecy, prophecy from God. Verse seven: Even things without life, whether a flute or a harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will be known what is? Pipe or play. Let me read this verse 7 real quick from the Amplified. Um, I like how this says it in the Amplified. It said, now brethren, again, oh no, excuse me, uh, verse 7. If even an, an, an animate, animate musical instrument, such as the flute or harp, do give distinct notes, how will anyone listening know or understand what is played? In other words, you know, he says, even things without life, musical instruments. How many of you know, if you play musical instruments, but I can't make out the melody. You ever see little kids, and I've done this too, even as adults, go to a piano and just pound the keys? Or go up and down the keyboard? 
It might make a sound, but it is not. It's just, it's just noise. You ever, I don't know about you, but I've seen some TV shows where the kids are learning how to play a musical instrument or whatnot, and it's just a bunch of noise. Whether it be a guitar or a violin, you know, they don't know how to play the chords correctly, and it's just, they're just, uh, you know, make, you know, they're like almost like a chalk on the chalkboard, squeak, screeching down the chalkboard, when most people would drive them crazy. Or playing some type of air, uh, brass instrument or air instrument, and they don't know how to play play it right, and it, and it just it it, it 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 sounds like a low flying duck. It sounds like something that just it, you know it, it just it just it's just weird. And and our piano doesn't know how to play the keys right. It doesn't you know unless there's a melody, unless there's a note being played, unless you know music is a, is a, in one sense it's an artistic language. There's a language with, with music. And, but how many of you have heard, you might not know all the words to the song, but it's just a peaceful melody, a nice orchestra where, where, the, where the instruments are playing in harmony and whatnot. And if you knew, that, there's some songs, I'm, not, I'm probably the bad one to teach on this, because I'm not real musically inclined in some ways, but there's some songs, you know, I can know the song by its tune. I know the Star Spangled Banner by its tune, if I start hearing it. You know, I know the Happy Birthday song by its tune. I know certain uh, uh, worship songs and uh, Jesus Love Me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. I know certain songs by its tune. There's some songs I might love the music. I mean, because of my hearing growing up, I used to love listening to the radio going to work. And there were some tunes I just loved the tune. And then later on, I saw the lyrics, and I go, why did I like that song? That song is horrible. I liked the tune. I didn't like the song. I didn't like the, the words. But he says, even things with, even when, in other words, he's saying, when you play musical instruments, it doesn't profit anybody if, it, if the songs are not being played in harmony. If it's just noise. You know, when I go to a, a place where they're speaking a foreign language, and I don't understand the language, to me, it's just noise. When I'm going to a place, and they're not playing a song I know, or a song I recognize, or maybe even a, 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 a um, you know, there's certain type of songs I don't like. I don't want to offend anyone, but I don't care for rap. Some people think it's awesome. But to me... Rap is just noise. And some people just got offended by what I just said. I'm not trying to offend you, but I don't like it. But some of you don't like my music. There's some Christian-style music I don't like. Some of them are too raunchy. And some of them are just... I don't like organ music. There's some... I don't want to mention their names because some of you might be offended. But there's some full gospel-type music I just don't like its style. The words are awesome. The music, the, 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 the song <coughs> might be great. And to you, it's just beautiful. To me, it's just noise. You know, and I'm not trying to offend people. I'm just trying to make a point. We have different styles. Some of it's because of generations and whatnot. You know, some people love organ music. I can't stand the organ. 
unless it's at a baseball game, playing that background music during a baseball game. And those of you some know what I'm talking about. Dun, 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 charge! Well, that's, well, some of those might be trumpets. I don't know. But you can tell I don't know my instruments too well. But anyway, but it, it doesn't profit you unless, it, unless that music is making a distinct sound. That's Paul saying. He's, he's using, a, he's making an illustration. He's trying to make a point here. You need to know what you're, if you don't know what you're doing, please don't play the instrument. There's a time to practice. And you should practice in private with a teacher, with a mentor. But don't go on stage playing live a music instrument you don't know because you're gonna, you're gonna, some of us it's just gonna raise the hair on our head the wrong way. It just, you know, it doesn't, it, 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 but if you can play, you know, some recitals are beautiful, but some recitals, because the students are still learning, they can actually be a little annoying, okay? And no, I'm not trying to put down, I'm just trying to make a point. If you don't know what they're playing, it's just noise. And tongues, if it's not done in the right atmosphere, in the right context, it can just be noise. So can prophecy, and we'll get to that a little bit later, more so next week. Uh, hopefully I'm making sense with this. I want to bless people with a word of edification. I want to bless people with some good music. I don't want to, to make them not want to come back because uh, of, the, of the music or because of the tongues. Verse 8. For if a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? Now, this is a little before our time, but back in the old days, they would have someone play the, the horn or the trumpet, and they would have a different sound, whether they were the retreat, or whether they were the charge, or whatever. If you didn't know what that trumpet was, and that trumpet player could actually save the day. If you thought the trumpet player was saying charge, when he was actually saying retreat, you could get killed, or vice versa. You know, and so uh, he says, if, if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? Again, he, he's using instruments as, a, as, as an illustration to point, there's a time to pl- speak in tongues and there's a time to prophesy. Okay, he's already said, he's already established, I, pr- I, I, I pray that you all speak in tongues. I pray that you even more prophesy. He said, so he's not forbidding anyone to do either one. And if, it, but in the, in the, in the public corporate setting, you should prophesy. But he's saying with even both of these, especially tons, if you don't know what you're doing, if you're not doing it properly, you can bring confusion. If that trumpet player in, 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 in the middle of the battle doesn't know what he's doing, the whole army could be confused. And the whole army could lose the battle because of the trumpet player. That making sense? The whole church could be confused if it's not done decently and in order. Okay. Verse 9. So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. He says, if the, uh, unless you utter words that can be understood, who will know what is spoken? You will be speaking into the air. None of you listening today came to listen to me speaking into the air. That's not why you tuned in. That's not why you listened to a pastor or whatnot. 
Nobody wants to listen to somebody just speaking into the air. Okay? I know this sounds silly, but that's kind of the point here. There should not be a day, and let me, let me just go off on this just for a moment. There should not be a time when we're not desiring to speak in tongues and desiring to prophesy. Paul already established that at the beginning of the chapter, and he already establishes at the end of the chapter that we should desire prophecy and forbid no one to speak in tongues. We should all prophesy and speak in tongues. I don't think there should be a day of service where we don't speak in tongues. I think we should all speak in tongues. He said, well, why do you say a service? Because I believe sometimes in the middle of the worship service, and we can still, under our breath, have a conversation with God. Even though we're in a group setting, I can still have a conversation with my wife. It's going to be maybe more under a whisper, and it's going to be a little, it's not going to be a, a, a proclamation where I make an announcement uh, in my, to my wife. That would be out of key. That would be, you know, if I go into a restaurant somewhere, I'm going to have a conversation with those in my booth or those at my table. I'm not going to speak so loud that everyone in the restaurant can hear. That would be rude. That would be inappropriate. Okay? Uh, but you can have a, conversa- a private conversation in a group setting. I can still talk to God and worship. Now, if I, if I elevate my voice and tongues, that becomes annoying where the focus becomes on me. We're supposed to be edifying people or talking to God in our tongue. But once we put the focus on us, it's now become out of tune. It's now wrong. It's now, uh, we're not the focus, okay? Uh, but he says, there should not be a time when we don't speak in tongues, but when we speak publicly, like preaching, like I'm doing now, if we don't, I, we don't just want you to come and hear me speak into the air. There's some people that they will post online, on, on Facebook, them speaking or singing in tongues. I'm okay, I'm glad that they're speaking and singing in tongues. But in a, in a, in a public setting like Facebook, to me, that's wrong. That's not the right setting to do that, okay? Um, None of you came to watch me speak in the air. And as I'm flipping to Facebook and different things, I'm not there to go watch them speak into the air. Okay? There's a time and a place for that. Um, that's not the, the time and the place. Most of you came to be taught to receive something from God. And publicly, I, we should speak in a known tongue, prophesy, teach, give you a revelation, give you knowledge, give you something to edify, and this should have some significance to it. Speaking, just speaking in the air doesn't have any significance to it. Okay? Verse 10. There are, it may be so, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. In other words, Paul's saying, there's no language in the world that's not without significance. There's all kinds of languages in the world. There's tons of them. In some tribes, in some countries, some third world countries, I mean, some of the languages to them, it doesn't sound like a language to me. You know, but it's a language. And there's no language in the world that's not significant. Okay, verse 11. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he shall who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Again, he, he's making the second illustration. The first illustration was about instruments, musical instruments. Now he's making an illustration about foreigners. 
He says, if I do not know the language that is spoken, I am a foreigner to those who speak, and they are a foreigner to me. If I come into, if I start speaking to you, uh, Portuguese, here on, online, and you don't know Portuguese, to me, to you, I'm a foreigner to you. And if you start speaking Portuguese or Chinese to me, to, to me, you're a foreigner. Okay? That's just practical. No, there's nothing wrong with Portuguese. There's nothing wrong with Chinese. There's nothing wrong with uh, uh, Spanish or any other language. But if I don't know what you're saying, to me, you're just a foreigner. And if you don't understand what I'm saying, to you, I'm just a foreigner. Okay? And the one who's... Okay, I already said that. In other words, we as a body, as the body of Christ that we are baptized into, I don't want our relationship or our relationship to be a foreign relationship. That makes sense? I mean, you know, if we don't know how to speak in the language, our relationship's only going to go so far. I can't really edify you, give you a revelation knowledge. I can't teach you if we can't communicate. Okay? I don't want our relationship to be a, a foreigners, but as a body growing in the Lord. It will not help you. It will not edify you if I can't communicate to you. And speaking in tongues to you is not communication. You speaking into a different language to me is not communication. Well, you might have said the right words. You might even gave me some good points. But if I don't understand what you're saying, there was no communication. Okay? Verse 12. Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. He's bringing us back to his point that he's been saying all along. Since you are zealous for spiritual gifts. I'm going to come back and talk about that a little bit more. Actually, no. Um, I looked at the wrong note. Excuse me. <laughs> he's already talked about this on the bookends. I, I want you to be zealous for spiritual gifts. But let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. You know, we, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts in a couple of weeks. But, and we're talking about two of them right now, tongues and prophecy. But in, speak, in, in desiring spiritual gifts, the purpose in verse 12 is that the church excels. It's not for you to look good. It's not a badge of honor. In, in that sense, it's to excel the church. It's not for you. God has given you gifts for the church. God has given you gifts to edify and excel the church, not just for you. God has given you plenty of things for you. But God has given you these gifts, not just so you can blow out hot air and, and, and show off. God has given you these gifts to edify the church. Okay? He says, let it be. We can desire zealously for the gifts, but it should be for the edification of the church that we seek to sell. Verse 13. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. <clears throat> okay? If we, if we speak in a tongue, and we can, we have liberty to do so. But let's pray that we interpret it. Because if we don't, if there's no interpretation, then it, it, it was just a bunch of hot air. 
And it, it's not going to excel. It's not going to edify. It's not going to benefit anybody. Okay? We would be foreigners in our midst. Okay? Verse 14 again says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. I'm going to come back to that. But my understanding is unfruitful. And I'm going to come back to that and spend a little more time on that in just a minute. Verse 15. What is the conclusion then? I will pray in the, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding. I gotta come back to both of these two along with verse fourteen. But he says, What is the conclusion? I will pray and I will sing with the Spirit and with the understanding. Okay, I'm going to come back to some of that in just, in just a moment. Bear with me, okay? Verse 16. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen after you're giving the thanks since he does not understand what you say? There's some things I'm going to come back to here. You know, when we... In, remember in Acts chapter 2, when they were speaking in tongues, they were... Speaking the wonderful works of God. They were giving thanks. They were speaking mysteries. But they were speaking the wonderful works of God. And they understood in their own language. So they did benefit people. Okay? And, but, uh, you know, at the same point, point in time, we're giving thanks. There's nothing wrong with giving thanks, even if it's in a, t- a, a, a tongue, in a language you don't understand. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? But he says, I will speak in tongues. I will speak in with understanding. I'm going to come back to this, but you, you know, it's not like the Holy Spirit just takes control of your tongue and you don't have control. No, you have a choice. You have a part to play. I will speak in tongues. I will speak with understanding and prophecy. I will sing. You have control. Okay, I'm going to come back and spend a little more time on that in just a minute. Okay. Um, Look at my notes, make sure I don't forget something. Um, now, let me just say here, too. He mentions there's a phrase here in verse 16. Let me read it again. Otherwise, if you bless the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed? You, you, throughout Paul's letters here, especially in 12, chapters 12 through 14, he does mention this phrase a few times uninformed are. Unsaved. You know, if we're, especially that I'm live streaming on Facebook, the chances of someone looking at this Facebook post and YouTube, the chances of someone who's not saved, not informed, watching this is very high. In some of our church gatherings, when we can get back in COVID, the, the chance of someone, someone who's not saved, someone who's not informed coming in to the church is rather high. Sometimes when we have a private group uh, uh, where we know everyone in the room is saved, that's a little different. In other words, he says, if we are, you know, in our public gatherings, there will always be those who are uninformed and unsaved in our gatherings. There might just be one, but there are chances of them watching my point here is, and I believe Paul's point here, is that the reason I do not publicly speak in tongues, because to those who are uninformed, those who are not saved, and those who are not spirit-filled, tongues is confusing. 
And it's not our place to bring confusion to those who don't understand what's going on. Now, if I'm in a room with, I know some people, everyone's saved, everyone's spirit-filled, everyone understands what's going on, that might be a little different atmosphere. But Facebook, for example, and some of our church gatherings, the fact that there could be even one person there who's not saved, not informed, and let me just add, not filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, having even heard of it. I don't want to be the instrument that brings confusion or orchestrates that. They didn't come to, they, didn't, they might be seeking, they might even be nervous to even come check it out. And I don't want to bring confusion. I don't want them not to want to come back and not want to come to Jesus because they were like, what was that? Okay? I don't want people to running off thinking we are just drunk and mad. I want them to come to Jesus. And my tongues could, in, in, in the wrong setting, could be that they, they liked everything else that was going on. They felt love. They heard the Word of God, hopefully. You know, that was why they came. But the tongue thing was just, and, and because it was done, wasn't done decently in an order with edification and revelation with no interpretation in a public setting, they were like, what is that? Because I don't want to become saved and look like that. You know, it, it's confusion. And so there's a wrong setting and there's different reasons for that. But to those who are unsaved, Paul says in another saying, to the weak, I become weak. They'll win the weak. Okay? We have to be considerate of other people who are around. Okay? And the Holy I mean, you know, if I'm not considerate of other things going around, the Holy Spirit is. He knows. And so we can sometimes get in the flesh doing these, some of these things. Verse 17. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding than I may teach others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul saying, you give thanks well, but others are not edified when you speak in tongues in a public setting. He says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. But in the church, I would rather speak five words in my known language with understanding. That could edify you all than to speak 10,000 words in tongues. And it was just confusion. Hopefully you're getting that. So what I want to do now, though, I know I went through some of those verses quite quickly. I want to go back and highlight eight things. I'm almost out of time for today, but I'm going to try to squeeze these eight in here uh, before we close out. Because these eight things I want, to, I want to draw attention to in everything we talked about. The first one, which I've already done quite a bit already, is in verse 1. 1 Corinthians 14.1. And, and that is to pursue love. I don't think I need to hash that out some more. But I do want to say this. If you don't hear anything else I'm saying in this whole teaching series, especially regarding tongues, I, I would rather you pursue love than speak in tongues. I pray that you do speak in tongues. I do pray that you, you desire spiritual gifts, and especially to prophesy. But I pray that you pursue love. You're not more spiritual because you speak in tongues or, or prophesy. But I, I believe those who are more spiritual, more mature, if I can even use that phrase, are those who are pursuing love. I would rather be around a bunch of loving people than a bunch of tongue-talking people. Okay? I have nothing against tongues. And by saying that, I'm not belittling tongues. 
I'm talking about the greatest of these is love. Okay? I love being around tongue-talking people in this right context. In this right, in, when it's done right, when it's done decently and in order, it's beautiful, it's powerful. Prophecy, when it's done right, it's beautiful and it's powerful. But there's nothing more beautiful and there's nothing more powerful than love. Okay? Love will never damage you. Tongues and prophecy and other gifts done in the wrong context could bring damage. But love will never fail. You could never do wrong with love. Okay? There's never a wrong place. There's never a wrong time to love. There might be a wrong means of how you do express that. But there's never wrong to love. Tongues is never wrong and prophecy is never wrong. But in the wrong context, in the wrong manner, it can be damaging to some people. That makes sense? Let's go to verse 2 again one more time. Did I say I would come back to this? For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men but to God, but no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Let's talk about the verse 1 again real quickly. Tongues is speaking to God, not men. Um, sorry, look at my notes here. Now, I understand this. I think I said this a little bit last week. Some people think, but it's silly. It, it's just crazy to speak in tongues. It sounds like baby talk. These are some things I've heard through the years. But in one sense, I understand that's what it looks like. But in one sense of the word, and I don't mean to disrespectfully, I don't care what you think. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to God when I speak in tongues. Why do I care what you think? I can't help it. You don't have God ears. That's one way that, that uh, 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 Dwayne Sheriff explains it. I can't help it. You don't have God ears. But I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to God. Well, it's just cr crazy. I know. But God doesn't think it's crazy. God doesn't think it's crazy. And when I'm speaking in tongues in my private language, with a private conversation, and in the right context, now if I'm having a private conversation with God in tongues and in public speaking, I've already dealt with that, and I'll address it some more, but I'm talking to God. And how many know, there, there, you know, if you were a fly on the wall with my wife and I, there are some conversations we have that you would think are crazy. We just have some inside jokes that if you just came in the middle of the joke, you're like, what was that? What are you guys doing? You guys are weird. And we would probably say, amen, yes, we're weird. But we just have some weird little inside jokes that we laugh at because we know why we said it. That really has nothing to do with nothing. <coughs> but we just think it's crazy. But <coughs> to us, it's kind of romantic. <laughs> okay? It's, it's just awesome. Tongues is speaking mysteries. Again, in Acts chapter 4, verse, I mean, Acts chapter 2, verse 4, <coughs> actually not verse 4, but Acts chapter 2, excuse me. What did the other people, nationals were coming for the Feast of Weeks, what did they hear them speaking? They heard them speaking in their own languages, the wonderful works of God. You don't have to turn to it, but in First, uh, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul writes, says, No, I have seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Paul says, 
Now, when we speak in tongues, our spirit is speaking to God in our private prayer language, in our private time with God, because we're speaking to God. That's a private conversation between our spirit and God. And what are we speaking? We already know, no matter of context, that we're speaking the wonderful works of God, but we also know that we are, our spirit is speaking mysteries. You know, when we become born again, our spirit is born again. And, and our spirit, who knows, the Bible says, knows all things understands all things. We might not understand everything in our soul, our mind, will, and emotion, but our spirit does. And our spirit is born of God, is speaking mysteries. That's why Andrew says, sometimes even in our, yes, in the public setting, we we need an interpretation so it would edify the church. But when we are having a private prayer language to God, we can also pray to interpret. Because sometimes we get words of wisdom, words of knowledge, things, because our spirit is speaking mysteries. We get some awesome revelations. It's a conversation between you and God, it's private, but you can still pray for the interpretation of what you're speaking. You, you, and we can do that. And I have done that. We have done that. We don't do it enough, but we, we, we can do it every single time. Okay? And we can speak the mysteries of God. Your born-again spirit is speaking mysteries. And, 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 and all these mysteries are going to go back to the wonderful works of God. It's awesome. I mean, there are some revelations Sherry and I have gotten from speaking in tongues and getting an interpretation. It's powerful. It's powerful. Andrew does it all the time. Other people do this all the time. It's awesome. We have so much at our disposal. Let me go back to verse 4. This is the fourth thing I want to address. I've already addressed, addressed three, th- three things right now. I want to address the fourth thing I want to address is this. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. And some people have a hard time with that. I've heard of other churches. Andrew has spoken of other churches. Dwayne Sheriff has spoken of other churches. Where they say, we don't speak in tongues here because the Bible says it edifies yourself. That's selfish. Some people think it's selfish to speak in tongues because the Bible says it edifies yourself. And for me, it's sad to those who are unlearned in the kingdom of God. You are not edifying yourself for yourself, but it's not selfish to pray in tongues. Keep your finger in 1 Corinthians 14 because we're coming back. We're not done. But go to Jude real quick. Go to the book of Jude. Jude is the next to last book of the Bible right before the book of Revelation. And we're going to start verse 17. Or I'm going to come back to this later. Let's go down to verse 20 because I'm almost out of time. I'll come back and I'm going to spend a little more time with Jude a little bit later. But verse 20. But you, beloved. Actually, i got to read this. Verse 17. But you, beloved. They both start the same way. Remember the words which you were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions and not having the spirit. How many, how many of you have been seeing people, even in the church, who are causing division? Those who are mocking. We have, in these last days, we have those who mock purity. They mock God. They mock the Word of God. They mock the Kingdom of God. They mock the Spirit of God. They mock, they mock, they mock the, the people of God. And in this context, uh, in this world, uh, where there's a lot of mockery, he says in verse 20, But you, beloved, building yourselves up. That, that phrase, building yourself up, in the Greek, it's edify. That's what edify means. It means to build yourself up. It means to embolden. And sometimes we need to be emboldened to know what to say and what to do. But he says, You, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God. We're supposed to pursue what? Love. Looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. We're not building, we're not praying in sons to build ourselves up in a selfish way. We're not building ourselves up on ourselves. We're building up ourselves on the, our most holy faith. It takes faith to pray in tongues and look silly. It takes faith to prophesy and speak something. You said, I feel God told me this. It takes faith. We are, there's a lot of mockery going on. There's a lot of evil going on. There's a lot of division going on. How do we know what to say? How do we know what to think? How do we know how to go forward? We have a secret place. We have a hiding place. And that is to go and speak in our spirit to Him and get on our most holy faith and get some, get some knowledge and get some wisdom, get some direction. Keeping ourselves in the love of God. And all the mockery and all the division and all the evil that's going on in the world, we need to keep ourselves in the love of God. And praying in tongues, speaking in our most holy faith is a way is one way, is a powerful way, it's a supernatural way of how we can keep in the love of God. Looking, not looking at all the mockery, not looking at all the division, but looking at the mercy of God. We need to keep our eyes focused not on all the bad, we need to keep our eyes focused on the mercy of God. How do we do that? By the Holy Spirit. We need to be emboldened. We need to be in the word edify. If you look at the word edify in the dictionary, in the Greek dictionary, in, the, in different concordances, it will mean, it means to build up. It means to embolden. E e m b o l d e n. We need to be emboldened what to say, what to do. We have to detox ourselves from this world. Jude is making a comparison between the mockers. And the people of God. And we need to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. And so, going back to 1 Corinthians 14, some people, he who speaks in the tongues edifies, emboldens himself on the most holy faith, keeping themselves in the love of God that we're supposed to pursue. Uh, looking at the mercy of God. 
I, I, I'm disgusted by some of the things going on in our world and even some of our churches. But I'm looking at the mercy of God because my heart wants to have mercy on them, not judgment. That makes sense? How do I do that? He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. We need embolden. We need to... See, let me just say it this way. I've never seen someone who is depressed encourage and edify me. I've never seen someone who's discouraged encourage and edify me. I've never seen someone who's critical encourage and edify me. I've never seen someone who's murmuring and complaining encourage and edify me. But I have seen those who were encouraged themselves. Those who were edified themselves come and edify and encourage me. Build me up. Encourage me. Embolden me. They, I, I, if the best thing I can do for my wife, the best thing I can do for you as a pastor is me to be edified in my most holy faith in the, in the love and mercy of God so I can come and encourage you and edify you. I don't, I hope I'm not encouraging you in the flesh. I hope I'm encouraging you by the Spirit of God. I need to be edified. I need to be emboldened and encouraged and built up so I can build you up and encourage and edify you. That makes sense. When you, it, it, some people who are operating in, in the, the gifts, and, and because they're focusing all of attention on themselves, I can see the selfishness. But there's a difference. When I'm using the gifts to edify you, not to build me up and put me on a pedestal, but I, there is a place. Where do I get edified? Not by you, but by the Spirit of God. So I can come and encourage you. There's times, folks, I get beat up during the week. Sometimes it's my own doing, my own folly, my own junk, my own stupidity. But sometimes as pastors, we get bitten. We try to help people, but we get bitten. There's all kinds of stuff. I'm not trying to put anything down. But if I don't get built up by the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to be a, a, a dog licking his wounds when I'm speaking in front of you. I need to be encouraged. I need to be edified. I need to build myself up on my most holy faith, not my flesh. I'm not edifying myself on myself. I'm edifying myself on my most holy faith, keeping myself in the love of God and, and, and looking at the mercy of God. That makes sense. We need this. And in these last days, as the days get evil and more wicked, we need this. We need this. Even on our best day. Another point here. I'm almost out of time. Go down to verse 14. 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my understanding is unfruitful. I want to deal with the, the first half of that. Uh, there's two parts here. The first of all, my spirit prays. I've already kind of dealt with this. And then I dealt with my understanding of being unfruitful in a minute. If you are born again, and I've already established this, your spirit is born again. And your spirit that's born again, your spirit is truly righteous, is truly holy, according to Ephesians 4.24. When we put on the new man in true righteousness and holiness. When you're born again, your spirit man, I'm not talking about your flesh, your spirit man, 
has the mind of Christ. It has the hidden wisdom of God. All the wisdom of God is in Jesus. And where is Jesus? On your, in your born again spirit. So if you're in your born again spirit, you are holy, you are righteous, you have the mind of Christ, you have the wisdom of God. <coughs> Can you imagine the effectiveness of your prayers when your spirit that's righteous, holy, has the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God prays? You, your spirit will pray perfect prayers. When you pray in your own native language, in your own strength, you have to make sure that you are praying according to the will of God and the word of God. And I think we should do that. But your spirit, when it prays, it does that automatically. Perfect prayers. And we need this. But the second part of that verse says, but my understanding is unfruitful. While my spirit is praying naturally, I don't know what I'm praying. My spirit knows what I'm praying, but my naturalness doesn't. But you don't have to stay there. You might not know what you're praying. You might not understand what you're praying from a natural perspective because it's a spiritual language that your spirit is praying to God. I'm on the last part of verse 14. Your understanding is unfruitful. How do we get our understanding fruitful? We pray for interpretation. I just dealt with this a minute ago. We do this in a public setting. We, we want interpretation so the church is edified. But you can privately, even though your, your, your flesh is being unfruitful when you're having a private conversation with God from spirit to spirit, you can pray for the interpretation. And Andrew talked about this. We actually talked about this two weeks ago on our Wednesday night Bible study from Andrew's book, uh, The New You and the Holy Spirit. Andrew does this. We can do this. We, we uh, Again, remember that we're praying the mysteries of God. Well, we can pray for interpretation of what those mysteries are. You know, I, I, I pray every week that I know what to speak to you every week. I believe that those come to those times of prayer of praying in the Spirit and praying for interpretation. Let's go back to verse 15 real quick. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with understanding also. The key word for me in this verse is the word will. I will pray. I will sing. Both in the Spirit and with understanding. Again, back in Acts 2, verse 4, they prayed in the Spirit as the Spirit gave them utterance. I don't know about you, but growing up, I never really understood that verse. What does that word utterance mean? He says they, they, they prayed in the Spirit, they prayed in tongues, in an unknown tongue, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Some people think, or some people are waiting for the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues. In other words, they're praying that the Holy Spirit comes and moves their tongue for them. But that's not what's going to happen. That's what I thought. I thought that for years. I was waiting for the Holy Spirit to move my tongue. But the Holy Spirit's not going to move your tongue. He will give you the utterance. He will speak with tongues as He gives you utterance. If you don't speak, He won't. It's the same thing with prophecy. 
You will prophecy is the same way. He will speak as he gives you utterance. He will tell you what to speak. Prophecy is the same way. The word of knowledge, word of wisdom is the same way. He gives you the utterance. He gives you what to say. Well, all I'm hearing is syllables. Speak those syllables. All I'm hearing is these strange sounds and noises. It sounds like baby talk. Speak it in faith. You're building yourself on your most holy day. By faith, speak what you are hearing. It, I don't understand it. Well, you are actually just quoting 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Your, your spirit is speaking, but your, your understanding is unfruitful. Of course you don't know what you're saying. You're speaking in tongues. Speak it. Give voice to it. Sometimes there's some things that God has given me in, in my native English tongue. A prophecy, a word. I didn't always understand it either. I understood what I was saying as far as the words themselves, but I didn't always understand the significance of that word. I spoke it, and wow, it, it either edified him. You know, there was one time I was ministering to this, this gal in one of the prayer lines at Andrew's events. And we were praying about something. I forget what her prayer request was for. And finally, the Lord gave me the word football, basketball. And it had, the word basketball seemed like it had nothing to do with, 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 with what, what we were praying for her about. And I actually was the, in training. I actually had, I had a mentor help me learn how to pray with people. And I said, I don't know if this means anything, but I'm just going to go for it. I go, does basketball mean anything to you? And I said that word basketball, and she just started crying. And I, I forget the whole story now, but it, there was something that was real meaning that was actually the root of the problem. It had to do with basketball. I, didn't, I, I knew what a basketball was. I knew what the game basketball is. But for her, I didn't know what I had to do. But I just, by faith, I just, and I wasn't, I just like, doesn't mean anything to you, because that's what I'm hearing. I definitely was hearing from the Holy Spirit. I don't know, and that wasn't for me, it was for her. And sometimes, you know, I don't know, but sometimes we need to take a step of faith. She got set free that night from whatever it was. Because I, and yet there were some other things going on too, not just me. I don't take the credit. The Holy Spirit gave the credit. I'm just glad I was obedient to what I felt the Holy Spirit put in my heart. I didn't always understand it, but I gave voice to it and it set her free. And that's awesome. Okay? Um, you speak with tongues as he gives you tongues. If you don't speak, he won't. That's the faith you are hearing, the utterance on the inside of whatever it is, and you speak. Um, says, I will pray. I will sing. That means you have a choice. It's not like a puppet where he's just going to take your tongue and do it. He's going to give you something to say. The other thing is, he might give you something to do. He might tell you to go somewhere. Same thing. It's that same utterance. That's just, he speaks the exact same way. Okay, this way, in this context, we're talking about tongues. We're talking about a language you don't understand. Just speak it. By faith, speak it. He's your teacher. He'll be your guide. If your heart's in the right place, you know, it's okay. Okay? I believe God anoints my speaking in tongues, and I believe that God anoints my speaking in my native language, whether it be a prophecy, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, preaching, or whether it's just even a gesture, saying, being kind to one another. Go with me to verse 16 and 17 real quick. We're basically out of time, but I want to wrap this up. It says, Otherwise, 
If you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies a place of uninformed say amen? At your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. My last point that I'm trying to make here that I want to emphasize is that when you speak in tongues, you bless God. I just don't, and some people respond, I just don't think that blesses God. Well, this is kind of what I said about earlier about uh, I'm praying to God. I don't care what you think. The Word of God says it blesses God. The Word of God says it gives thanks to God. The Word of God says it, it tells of the works, the works, wonderful works of God. The Word of God says it blesses God. It blesses God. Okay? You know, there was a day where lifting up my hands and worshiping God sounded foolish. Didn't think that blessed God. But it says in Psalm 13, verse 2, when you lift up your hands in the sanctuary, it blesses God. I'm paraphrasing it. But worshiping God blesses God. Praying in tongues, he says, you give thanks well. But others are not edified. It blesses God. Well, we just don't believe that blesses God. Well, again, we don't care what you think. If the Bible says it blesses God, it blesses God. But I'm not comfortable with it. Of course you're not, because you're carnal. And we all get carnal sometimes. Carnal is just another word for natural. I'm not putting you down. I'm not being mean. It sounds mean. I get that. But how many know we all get carnal? We all get in the flesh. We all get natural. To be naturally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. The only reason why anything, healing, miracles, different things don't work is because we get in the flesh. Jesus dealt with that. And I'm probably going to be teaching on this soon about uh, a hardened heart. And a hardened heart doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean you got into sin. A hardened heart, Jesus rebuked the disciples because they weren't doing miracles. He says, because your hearts are hard. He wasn't talking about them being in some sin. He was talking about faith and unbelief. And our hearts can be so hard that we are not believing God for the supernatural, for miracles, faith. And that is, uh, I think it's a mark when he deal, Jesus deals with his disciples. They weren't doing some sin. They were trying to do what God told them to do. But they couldn't do it. And uh, he said, because their hearts were hard. And when a hard heart to me is being natural. It's being carnal. It's being natural. There's times, and without tons and problems, there's some things God's told me to do and do, go and say, and I didn't do because I just, I, I, I was being carnal. I was being natural. But some of us don't understand some of these spiritual things because we're carnal. How many know the natural man cannot understand these things I'm talking about? You can't. You know? But we need to not be carnal. We need to be spiritual. Okay? You give thanks well. Your spirit is speaking the wonderful works of God, saying thanks. But it's saying in a, in a spiritual language. Well, do I have to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues? Absolutely not. Am I less of a Christian because I don't speak in tongues or have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. Will I go to heaven if I don't speak in tongues? Absolutely some may get there faster unless you get some power in your life to, to operate in this life. But we need to get the past to the point where we say, do I have to or do I get to? Okay. 
I didn't read it earlier, but in First Corinthians 14, verse 4, when we're talking about tongues that edifies yourself, the, the, the Amplify says it edifies and empowers you. How many of you know that we need some empowerment in our lives and our ministry? I'm skipping through some of my notes because we're almost out of time, but I want to want to end on some things here. I was going to spend a little more time with Jude, but I already kind of incorporated some of my notes here. How many know there's a lot of mockery going on in our world, in our government? There's a lot of division. There's been divisions for centuries. Look at all the denominations we have in different things. There's a lot of fighting going on, even in some churches. And right now, our, our country in America is divided. And the church, in some ways, is divided on political, moral, and whatnot issues. And, and I would go with James chapter 3, brothers, these things ought not to be so. We need to build ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping ourselves in the love of God, and looking at the mercies of God. And stop them. We need to stop the strife. And we need to keep our eyes on the mercy of God. We need help. We need help. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our guide. He's our teacher to keep ourselves in the love of God. You cannot do what God wants us to do without his help. You cannot do, you cannot go where God wants you to go without the Holy Spirit. The friendship of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. The love of God. We cannot touch our cities. We cannot touch our regions. We cannot touch our nations. We cannot touch the world without the power, the friendship of the Holy Spirit, keeping ourselves in the love of God and our most holy faith, because faith works by love. In the flesh, it's hard to love people. You do not know how many times we have been bit trying to minister to hurting people. But you know, I mean, no, sometimes when an animal is hurt, it will bite back. Because it's hurt. But, verse 21, we need to look for the mercy of God. This is Jude 21. Looking at the mercy of God. Sometimes we need to get our eyes off what's wrong. And our eyes on what's right. That's the mercy of God. I'm going to cover some of these last notes next week. And I'm going to talk about next week, the love of God. I'm going to be talking about the compassion of Jesus. Paul... In the middle of First uh, Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, he spends a whole chapter on love. We need to pursue love. We need to keep ourselves in the love of God. Speaking to ourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms instead of murmuring and complaining. We believe in the gifts. We are free to operate in the, in the gifts. We are free to operate and speak in tongues and prophecy in this church. But we want to be careful we are not hurting others in the process. We need to walk in love and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. I'm out of time. I There's so much more. I know I've kind of spent through some of those last notes, and I'm going to bring some of them back next week as we a transition talking about the love of God, the love of the Holy Spirit. Uh, because Paul spent a whole chapter. In the midst of talking about all these things, he spent one whole chapter. And had I talk about the love of God and the compassion of God, I'm going to leave that into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
Because how many of you know when Jesus ministered to people, he ministered. I love the I love the scriptures when they say Jesus had compassion on the people. Because I can't teach on the gifts without teaching on the love of God. Because the love of God shows me how to use the gifts. The love of God shows me when to use the gifts. Have you ever been woken up in the middle of the night and you just start having a burden for somebody? That's the compassion of God. Have you ever woken up or in the middle of your day you wish someone shares their need and you wish you could meet that need, but you knew you had no resources to meet that need? That's the compassion of God. Jesus wanted to feed the 4,000, the 5,000. He had compassion to people, but he didn't have a lunch. He didn't even have food. He got the boys' food. He multiplied it to a miracle. That's a, one of, Miracles is one of the gifts of the Spirit. He had compassion on the people. He didn't even have the resources. When we begin to recognize the compassion of God, Jesus said he did nothing. He didn't see the Father do. When we learn how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, that's what we're talking about here. We will learn how to recognize the compassion of God and instead of being carnal, looking at ourselves to, meet, to feed the multitudes, Jesus didn't look at himself to feed the multitudes. He had compassion on the people. But he took a boy's lunch. He multiplied it. And there was 12 baskets left over. Instead of taking a fish and loaves to back home to his mom, he took 12 baskets back. <laughs> I, mean, my, he, I mean, he had a fish story to tell. I caught a fish this big. Well, he had 12 baskets of them. <laughs> you know? When we compassion tells me everything, because now we'll learn how to recognize it and operate in meeting the needs of the people with signs and wonders following, because we learn how to recognize the compassion of God. So I'm I kind of give you a blueprint where we're going next. We're going to talk about the love of God and prerequisite of talking about the gifts of the Spirit. I could I almost didn't went here first before we talk about the tongues. I want to kind of get the elephant out of the room. I, I now got some things to refer back to when we talk about tons some more a little bit as we go forward. Okay? God bless you guys. Well, we worship you. We magnify you. Lord, I know this is a heavy, t- tough subject. But Lord, teach us to desire prophecy, to pursue love, not to forbid anyone speaking, that we can begin to speak the mysteries of God, the wonderful works of God, praying for interpretation that we can interpret not only in the public setting, but also in our private prayer language, so we can know the wonderful works of God. Be with us as we go. We pray for our country. We pray for our nation. We pray for the world. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock as we talk about effortless change.